Anyway, so I'm at dinner, and I just had this, I think they saw it come over me, just like this, just, uh, and I said to two of the girls by me, I said, pray for me, like, I don't have anything new to, new to say, like, everything I'm going to say, they, they already know, they've heard, and she's like, yeah, but we need to be reminded, I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> what this is all about this weekend okay so that um, encouraged my heart so um, you know with Christy it was such a blessing Friday night where she reminded us of who God is and all of his glory Jean this morning reminded us of all he's done in our lives and also all of his great promises and then this, this afternoon was so sweet. I hope you enjoyed that. Just time to share and testify our own stones of remembrance and to pray, pray, pray. But you know, there's some of you in this room tonight, and you are battling. Because although you know everything that you're hearing is true and right, and God has been faithful in your past, but you are going through something really, really hard right now. And it's painful. Maybe for some of you, agonizing. And you have been crying out for God to help you and to rescue you. And you've been begging him to work in a particular way. But you don't see him working and you're not hearing him speak. And although you want to trust, you want to believe him, you feel as though God has forgotten you. And you know... You're either battling those thoughts tonight, and um, or you have, if it's not you tonight in this room, it's been you in the past, right? Or it may be you in your future. And the hard thing when you're in this place is that your mind and the thoughts that you're thinking are kind of scary. I mean, we, we battle that we even have the thoughts that we think in our mind. And maybe you try to open up to a close friend or your pastor's wife and, and you're pouring out or maybe to your spouse. And, but their words or their lack of words just leave you feeling even <laughs> just more desperate and more deeper in that pit. It drives you farther into that place that Jean talked about, like that dark cloud I'm covering and you hear the lies of the enemy. And what is, what's he called? He's called the father of lies, right? And he's always, these darts are always coming and attacking us in our heads. And, and he's always asking us, well, where is God when you need him? And how can he be a good, good father and allow you to suffer in that way? Or, or you know what? God has forgotten you. And regardless of how mature we are in our faith and in our walk, there are times, because we are frail, we're human beings, that we do doubt and we do fear. And it may come to that place where we're just consumed by those fears. And we begin to forget who God is and his promises. And we falter in our faith. So we're going to look tonight at Psalm 42. Turn to that passage, Psalm 42. And as you're turning, I'm just going to set this up. Many of you are familiar with this chapter. But David was a man who loved God. He loved God. He served God. He worshipped God. And you know what? God loved David. Psalm 42. But, you know, and in the early years of David's life, 
All he knew of God was God's provision, his protection. Remember, he's out killing bears and lions, you know, um, guarding the sheep. Um, He just sees God's blessing. And then, lo and behold, he gets anointed to be the next king of Israel. So all he's known is favor and blessing and the goodness of, of the Lord. But then David's world was turned upside down, wasn't it? Like overnight, and he becomes this fugitive, and he's running for his life, and he's out in the wilderness. And think about it. He lost his family. He lost his wife. He was married. He lost friends. He lost what we would call today the church, the church family, the place of worship to go to. And what's crazy is it was all at the hands of his own father-in-law, right? His own family. It was Saul who was after him. Because of his own jealousy and envy that was pursuing him to destroy him and kill him. And you know, David's trial was not for days. It was not for weeks. It was not for months. It went on for approximately eight long, lonely, overwhelming years. And David had times of doubt and fear and confusion. And so I love the word of God because the Lord opens it up and lets us in to see the mind of David, the heart of David. So we can also see how did David battle in his darkest moments? What action did he take to overcome what he was going through? So let's read. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? And when I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. I like the New Living Translation. It says, My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. For I used to go with the multitude. And I went with them to the house of God, and with the voice of joy and praise, and with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. (sighs) Why? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you. Even from the land of Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill of Mitzar, deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? Oh, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? The New Living Translation says, Why am I discouraged and why is my heart so sad? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. So did you see this myriad of emotions that David experienced through this long, long trial that he was going through? Emotions that probably most of us in this room 
have experienced at one time or another, or maybe even right now tonight. Discouragement. Who hasn't been discouraged at times, right? And sadness. We see other descriptive words like grieving and mourning from the loss he was going through. There were times when he was anger. Remember, David did nothing wrong. We would say today David was the victim. You know, he was just going about, obeying God, serving the Lord. He did nothing wrong to deserve it. He deals with depression. He deals with oppression from the enemy. And he suffered a broken heart. You know, that word disquieted. It means to moan or to growl or to cry aloud, to rage, to be in an uproar. But no, David says, I'm disquieted within me. So in other words, all this uproar is going on on the inside of him, but he's suppressing it. He's trying to keep the emotions um, down and just you know, quiet his mind and his heart and his thinking. But the, the inside, it's a raging battle that can't be quieted. I know what that's like. I have been there where everything inside of me just wants to burst forth and just wail and weep and cry aloud. And sometimes it is in anger. And sometimes it is in sorrow. But I'm trying, you know, you suppress it. You're holding that in. You want to silence that. You know, I loved hearing the testimonies today. And I wish I could have heard every single one in the room. But we all have stories. And most of us have endured pain. And I have been in a heart-wrenching family trial for 15 years now. Some of you remember, you've been around long enough to know the one year at a retreat, and I'm not going to tell the details, but where I poured out my heart for when this crisis and trial started. Um, it involves my parents, my sisters, their families, my, my kids. And you know, it stems from betrayal and deception and abuse and like just really ugly, ugly sin from my stepdad. You know, the papa to our children. And we loved him and we trusted him. And it does carry with it deep wounds that take time to heal. And there are sobering consequences for his sin and the broken relationships. And you know, everyone has been affected in their own way and it's their own journey because of where they're at and how they cope and deal with things and what kind of help they get or not get or if they're walking with the Lord or not walking with the Lord. You know, but I've just seen over the years, it's like, gosh, Satan's like that destructive web so easily just makes its way in the Satan's lies and all that. And it just ends up just involving touching everybody. And, you know, trials, I think, um, that involve our families are the worst kind, aren't they? Because <laughs> we can't run and we can't hide. You know, it's family. It's not going to go away. And honestly, even if you've suffered through divorce, does it really go away, especially if there's children involved? No. There's always, you know, or if you try and just write off a family member, or I just can't deal with that person, you still have this, like, loss in your heart. It's never, it never goes away. It never, it's just there. So I know for me it's been by the grace of God and his word and the Holy Spirit working in me that's just been allowed me to live, and I can truly say, in, in forgiveness. And um, not, I'm not a bitter woman, and I don't hate anybody in my family. But 
But I would be lying if I didn't say that every day is a choice to walk in that freedom. To choose to walk in it. To choose to walk in joy. To choose to walk in truth. To choose to walk in grace and hope and the joy that's mine in Christ. And, you know, I have my bad days like you. And honestly, my trial probably won't end this side of heaven. I really don't think it will. But, you know, I have come to realize that God has saved me out of this trial time and time again, over and over and over. Haven't you experienced that in your trials? He rescues you spiritually. He rescues you emotionally. He lifts you up out of the pit. He's faithful. He's always there. He is moving and working in those circumstances. He does rescue us. He has not forgotten us. And, you know, you all, we all suffer trials and tribulations in life. And the question is... As his daughters, what are we going to do in the midst of it? Like Jean said, we all have a choice in how we live. Are we going to believe him at his word or not? Are we going to obey him or are we not? Are we going to apply the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and his word and his promises or not? And I love what David does here in Psalm 42 because it's like he just preaches to his soul. You know, he talks to himself. He works through it. Um, And it's beautiful. So let's just look at a few points from this. Number one, we saw in verse 6, he says that, I will remember you. I will remember you. Because you see, remembering how it used to be doesn't help or solve anything, does it? It usually only takes us deeper into depression. You know, when the kids were small, you know, we used to take road trips to Oregon and have the family camp and the skiing and all that. And we so looked forward to it. And it was a highlight. But when that abruptly changed and ended, you know, it was so sad. And I remember for a few years, you know, getting out the photo albums and, you know, wallowing in the sorrow and thinking, you know, there will never be another photo. There, there's not, there's just an end to that. And what's so deceiving about falling into the trap of remember when is that all we tend to really remember are the good times, right? We're just like the children of Israel. (laughs) You know, they're out in the desert. They're hungry. They're thirsty. They're scared. And, oh, what are they doing? Remember when we were in Egypt? Oh, the food was awesome and the locusts and all of that. And we had our homes and we had security and jobs. Jobs, you know. (laughs) They're slaves, They're being beaten and abused and just a harsh cruelty that's being placed upon them and their families. But somehow, they forgot. How can you forget that? But, oh, remember when. Let's go back into slavery. Let's go back to Egypt. You know, so the reality is that, um, you know, when I look back and remember, I'm not remembering completely true because we were dysfunctional and a problem even before all that happened in our family. There was a lot of drama going on. And like David, we have to realize that spending our time in our hardship remembering how it used to be is of no good. Instead, we need to remember God. We have to fix our mind on Him. And then we see number 2 in verse 5. And 11, both of those, what does it say? I will put my hope in you. I will. He makes a conscious decision and a purpose in his heart. I will put my hope in you. In other words, I'm going to quit placing my hope that somehow the people around me are going to change. Or the circumstances is going to change. You know, I can't, I, I imagine that David went for a few years really hoped for that. That somehow Saul was just going to come out of his craziness. And he's going to come back. 
and be sorry and go, come home, son, (laughs) you know, come back, that he would repent. But that didn't happen. David hoped for restoration. But he finally comes to a place where he purposes in his heart that he will put his hope in God alone. You know, girls, we cannot fix the problem. We're not the solution. The world is not the solution. And all their counsel and all their resources, it's God and God alone that we have to put our trust. With God, all things are possible. It doesn't mean that we don't hope for change, right? We, we, we need to be hopeful, but ultimately our hope has to be in God alone. We serve the God of hope. Romans fifteen thirteen says, now, the, now, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Believe who God says he is. Trust him. You have to come to a point in your life. I think when when dealing with people and issues and when people come in for counsel, I honestly, one of the, there's two root things. They either really don't know God yet or they're not surrendered. And for most of us in the room that have known God, the real issue is surrender. Like, do I really surrender to God, to his purpose and will for my life, to his plans? To his way and not my own. You know, if he doesn't save you out of your circumstance now, we have guaranteed right rescue, right? He's going to rescue us out for all eternity. And we should, like, woohoo about that. Like, there really is coming a day where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sin. Everything's made new. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? So don't listen to the enemy. You know, he's, God's unfaithful. You know, you might not see it this side of heaven, but you will see it. That's where we put our hope. And then number three, verse A, he says, I will praise you. I will praise you. And it says, in the night his song shall be with me. The New Living Testament says, and through each night I sing his songs. And isn't it true that at nighttime is our worst time? It's when we go to lay our head on the pillow that we struggle the most with thoughts and anxieties and insomnia for some. It's when we're vulnerable to the lies of the enemy. And David knew that his greatest weapon in that midnight hour was singing, was a song in his heart, a song on his lips, singing the psalms of hymns and spiritual songs and the the songs that were written in the word of God. And I ask you, what are you doing in the midnight hour? What's your first impulse to aid you? Is it you just turn that TV on so you can just mute out your thoughts? Do you drink that last glass of wine before you go to bed because you just need something to just... Do you go to the sleeping pill first? Or do you go to Jesus The best thing you can do is worship. Now, for you married ladies, you probably don't, I don't think your husband would appreciate it if in the middle of the night (laughs) you start singing, I need thee, oh, I need thee, every hour I need thee, right? Not a good thing. (laughs) 
Then maybe it's just practical things, soft worship going before you go to bed, or put your headsets in just a couple songs of worship before you shut that light off and go to sleep. Or sing it in your head. It might mean that you need to slip out of bed and go downstairs and find a quiet spot and just drop to your knees and sing a praise song to the Lord and worship him. And not just at night, in the day. You should be singing and praising all day long. Right, girls? That's our best way to have victory in our lives and in our thoughts. I remember clearly one Sunday morning, this was early when, you know, I was going through my hard crisis. And, um, you know, I just, I, I don't hide my emotions well. <laughs> and I'm a crier. And so I really was battling to go to church. Not because I didn't want to be with Jesus. I didn't want to be with you. Because <laughs> I didn't want people seeing me crying, you know. I didn't want to have to answer questions. And how are you? And tell me what's going on. And so it was like this struggle. And I'm like, I got to go. I'm the pastor's wife, first of all. <laughs> but I knew it's where I needed to be. And, you know, the, the day when I struggled the most, I remember getting into the, the sanctuary and And the worship started, and I had purposed in my heart, I will praise the Lord. And guess what song started being led by the worship team? Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. And blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'm going to turn back to praise. And when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be his glorious name. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me and when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. And blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Blessed be your glorious name. You give and you take away. And I remember I'm just standing my feet and I got my hands up and tears are flooding. And I'm like, you give and you take away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. My heart will choose to say, bless your name. Lord, girls, we have to remember God. We have to put our hope in God. We have to praise God. And then number four, we see in verse eight that I'm going to pray The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. The New Living Translation says, praying to God who gives me life. You know, we spend far more time thinking and talking about our problems and trying to fix them rather than praying. I'm as guilty as you are. You know, the reason it's hard, prayer's hard. It takes discipline. And not only that, it's a spiritual thing. And so it's just hard to get there and to do it. And the opposition's there. But honestly, I think the biggest reason why we struggle in our prayer life is because it requires faith. It demands faith. And if we lack it, well, often we do lack it when we're in the midst of the trial and the pain. Because we're not sure how to pray. We're not sure he's listening. We're not sure how to pray according to his will. You know, in James 1, it tells us that when we fall into various trials, we are to ask for wisdom, and he will give it to us. And it says generously. 
that the requirement for this is important to see, and I think we, we pass over this part, okay? The, the requirement, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, says, but be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. And our prayer life really, I believe, exposes us and exposes our faith. Is it really in God alone? Are we always looking to other people? And, you know, we're this emotional roller coaster with the Lord all the time. And we give something to the Lord, and then we take it back because we lack faith to really pray for wisdom in faith. And he says, don't expect to, to hear, to get it, if you're going to ask that way. That is, that's a heavy, heavy thing that the Lord's saying there. But I think his description is spot on, unstable in all our ways and in all our decisions. Okay? And you know, it grieves the heart of our Father who wants so much for us to come to him, to ask in faith for wisdom, believing that he will give it. So don't listen to the lies that God doesn't hear you or care about you. You keep praying and you keep praising in faith. Turn to Psalm 77. While you're turning there, in this psalm, it's another one where God's children have been walking for years in rebellion and disobedience to the Lord. They've forgotten their God. They're in bondage in Babylonian. And they're, in, and they're distraught, but they're finally crying out to God to rescue them. And they've been crying out for some time to the Lord. And it's interesting because the psalm, it shows us that it was written by a man named Asaph who penned this psalm. And then he gave it to the choir director. And I like that. Because it was like, here, choir, learn this song because you need to have the children of Israel singing it even in the midst of this trial that we're in. I love that. As we read through this psalm, I want you to highlight or underline the verbs that you see, the action things, the things that the psalmist chose to do in the midst of the trial and challenge the people to do as well. So verse 1, I cried out to God with my voice. To God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God, and I was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah, which means pause and think about what's just been said. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever, and will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. Pause. Consider. And I said, this is my anguish. 
but, but, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have with your own arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. Pause. Consider that. And then he recounts how God parted the Red Sea and delivered his people. But I want you to go down to verse 19. And it says, Your way was in the sea, and your path in the great waters, and your footsteps were not known. Listen, ladies. His way and his path is in the midst of the waters. It is in the midst of the sea. It's found in the deep waters where we have to put feet to our faith, where we will sink and drown without a Savior. But if our eyes are just like looking down at the waters, trying to find the footprints of Jesus, it says they're not there. It's funny, you know, we know, remember that poem from years ago about footsteps in the sand and how God carried me and you see the footsteps in the sand. Okay, well, there's no footsteps in the water, (laughs) in those deep waters. And the reason is we can't be looking down. We have to look up. We have to lift our eyes from whence our help comes from. It's from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. And Jesus says to us tonight, fear not. I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. I am the Lord God, the Holy One, your Savior. You're precious in my sight. I love you. Fear not. I'm with you. I make a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters. That's Isaiah 43, 16. Isaiah 49, I'm just reading you promises from the Lord. Isaiah 49, 15 through 16. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I've inscribed you on the palm of my hand. We may forget God at times, but God never forgets us. You know, I think of Noah, who was this godly man like David, righteous, walking with the Lord, serving God faithfully. And then he goes through this most horrific, horrible, scary, overwhelming storm ever dreamt of, right? I mean, he experienced complete destruction and devastation. Everything he knew was gone. Everything. If he looked out the little people, all he saw was water. Everything was gone. The world was literally underneath his feet in the depths of the sea. And not only that, but then it was the waiting, right? The waiting. Isn't that what gets us? The waiting, the waiting, waiting for God to stop the rain, waiting for God to recede the waters, waiting for God to speak. I mean, we have no mention in that time that God spoke to Noah. So he's waiting for God to speak. Noah was human. 
And if Noah wasn't complaining, I am sure his wife and kids were. <laughs> When do we get out of the ark? When will we be there? You know, can you imagine? I would imagine there's times when they felt abandoned and forgotten by God. But then it says the beautiful words in Genesis 8:1, then God remembered Noah. It wasn't like, oh, oops, oh my goodness, I forgot Noah. It's not like that. Actually, while I was working on this study on this very specific moment in it, I went, oh, Erin of Brooklyn, they're leaving for New Zealand today. I forgot to call them and pray with them. Wow, I had a meltdown, you know? God doesn't do that. It's not like, oops, I forgot. And thankfully, there's texting, and I have heard from them. But it's not like that. He doesn't forget us. He's always mindful of us. The word remember is much more than that. And Yvonne um, talked about that some in the very opening session. It, it, there's action involved in it. So in other words, it's God acting in tangible ways to show that he remembers. He's always mindful. But it's the tangible ways that he then shows us that he remembers. So for Noah, it was that he caused the rain to stop and the waters to recede. And, and you know, there's a lot of places in the Word, you can do your own study of that, where it says, then God remembered. You know, um, I think, you know, think about Abraham interceding for his family, for Lot and, and his, Lot's kids. Lot was his nephew, who were living in this wicked horrible city that God was about to destroy. And you know the story, and Abraham intercedes on behalf of him and anyone that they could find in that city that was righteous. And God heard Abraham. It says, then God remembered Abraham and saved Lot and his family. And then what about the young woman, Rachel? I mean, here's Rachel, this beautiful young woman, again, just living life, everything's going along great. She, she meets the love of her life, Jacob. She waits seven years to marry him, and then her dad goes and betrays her and deceives Jacob into sleeping and marrying her sister. I mean, can we even wrap our mind around that, right? And then you have to spend your life sharing your husband with your sister, And then to make matters worse, she finds out she's barren. That she can't have any children and her sister's popping babies out. <laughs> and you know what? She becomes something she never dreamed she would ever become. She became a jealous, envious, bitter woman. She was angry at her husband. She was probably angry at God. I mean, Jacob tells her, look, don't be mad at me. God is the one who's closed up and withholding kids from you. Can you imagine? I mean, I'm thinking she's thinking my life's not fair. What happened? I did nothing wrong, and here I am. And then she starts making just poor choices. She becomes a desperate woman. Have you ever been a desperate woman? And then she deals with the consequences of her desperation. But some point along in her trial, she cried out to God. Because in Genesis 30, 22, it says, And then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened up her womb. And he blesses her with a son, but not just any son. It's Joseph. Joseph. God's timing his way 
from the moment in the womb, Joseph was appointed to be used by God for deliverance for the people. It's amazing to think about. But it was for God's purposes and God's plans, not Rachel's. And when we cry out to God, he does hear our cries and our prayers, and he does act, and he moves, and he works on our behalf. But it's not always the way we want it, or we foresee it, or we you know, think is the, the way it's going to be the happy ending is, God, you need to work this way. And, you know, it's never, ever in our timing, is it? Ever. No. Now, God's timing, he always makes us wait. But God's ways are perfect. And he does make all things beautiful in his time. He is a good, good father. He does give good gifts. And if you're born again and sitting here tonight, you're already holding the very best gift you can have. Just put your hand to your heart. You have this Jesus in you. You have the power of the Holy Spirit in you and with you. All the time, your helper, your rescuer, your strength. He will not deprive you. He will not remove you from him. Even when you don't deserve his love and blessings, even in your stubbornness and rebellion, even in your doubt and fear, he will not forget us. He is a covenant keeper. He will not forget you. You know, it's interesting. When when we look up on a rainy day and we see a rainbow, we're like, oh. God's promise to us, the rainbow in the sky promising us that he will never flood the earth again. He will never destroy mankind that way. And we love the rainbow. It is a promise, but there's more to it than that. If you turn to, you don't have to turn to it, but Genesis 9, I'm going to read verses 14 through 16. It says, it shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, the waters will never again become a flood to destroy all the flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that's on the earth. So really, God's saying, I'm going to put the rainbow in the sky, so I'm going to see it through the cloud, and I will remember my covenant, my covenant of grace to not judge the world. God was fully aware that even though he was giving man a second chance to start all over, that man would sin again and grieve his heart and cause him pain, and they would deserve judgment. So the the rainbow was a reminder to him of his covenant of grace. And girls, we know that God in his timing made even a better covenant, didn't he? A new covenant with Jesus through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're sealed with the blood of Jesus And this covenant promises us that God now sees us in Jesus. We are clean. We are righteous forever. We're forever his by his unfailing love. And turn to Psalm 103. We've been there a little bit throughout the the weekend. Psalm 103, 10 through 12. And this psalm is an account of all the blessings of the Lord. Everything. Bless the Lord of my soul and all that's within me. And then look at verse 10. He has not dealt with us according to our sin, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. 
As a father pitied his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He gets us. He created us. In closing, turn to Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44. Look at verse 21. Verse 21 reads, Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I have formed you. You are my servant, O Israel. You will not be forgotten by me. And listen, as Jean said, we're already grafted in. Right? We're children of God. So this promise is for us too. You will not be forgotten by me. We could put our name in there. Verse 22, for I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins. Notice first the word blotted. That word means to wipe away or a better translation would be to obliterate. Okay, I love that picture. Just wipe it. Wipe it gone. It's obliterated. And he says, no, like a thick cloud. Like a thick cloud your transgressions. Thick cloud in the Hebrew, that would speak of like a scud cloud. Okay, scud clouds are those low-hanging clouds that are kind of blotchy all over, and, and um, they're associated with gusty winds. You know, when the winds blow in, you get the scud clouds. We had a few weeks ago, like, the craziest windstorm. Um, I don't know, San Diego, you guys got it down there, but this area, did you guys get that, San Diego girls in Pearl Beach? I mean, I literally, the house was shaking. I, I remember going... And, I mean, I had my nose planted to the glass watching our neighbor's eucalyptus trees just swinging. I'm thinking, they are coming down on us. Like, you could just feel. And I was just reminded of how small we are in light of the power of God and of creation, right? When those gusty wind forces come in and blow, that's what it's talking about. And, um, and transgressions here, when they speak of transgressions, it speaks of sin involving rebellion against God or rebellion against one another. So in other words, and listen up to this, this is so beautiful. In other words, he's saying, I have wiped away or obliterated your rebellion and your sin and the punishment you deserve like a scud cloud that sweeps in and sweeps up on a blustery, gusty day. Isn't that beautiful? Just whoosh. And it's gone. I love that. And then he says, and like a cloud, your sin. Now, this word cloud here in Hebrew, it it would be the picture of the nimbus or the thunder cloud. The nimbus, they're higher up in the sky. It's the, the big clouds that come on the storms, and they're just dark and massive and big. And when they come over us, it like just makes everything dark. It blocks the sun from us. Okay, that's the cloud that it's talking about here, the nimbus cloud. And the nimbus cloud also, um, it's the cloud that produces rain. And the word sin, when he speaks of it here, is different than the first one. This one is our offenses, our habitual sins that bring guilt and shame and make us unclean. Oh, do you have some ongoing habitual sin in your life? (laughs) Those things that we're so guilty and shameful for? That's what he's speaking of here. So really, in essence, what God is saying is, I not only sweep away your rebellion and sin like the scud clouds on a gusty, windy, blustery day, but I also will obliterate the guilt 
and the shame from the habitual sin and the continual offenses that you make against me. Those things that make you unclean. Those things that block out you from seeing the light of me. And not only that, like the nimbus cloud that pours down rain, I'm going to pour down the rain of forgiveness upon you. I'm going to pour the blood of Christ upon you and cleanse you and purify you. It's a beautiful picture. I like the New Living Translation. It says, I have swept away your sins like a cloud. I have scattered your offenses like the morning mist. Oh, return to me, for I have paid the price to set you free. Ladies, we need to walk in this truth. Quit remembering your failures and your offenses and your sin because your Abba has already forgiven you. Yes, you need to confess. You need to repent from your habitual offenses and sin. And then walk in confidence that when we do that, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from every sin. But the picture, I hope you get it, it's an active. You repent, he's like, whoosh, whoosh, and it's just gone. So why do we live our life just stuck in remembering our failures and stuck in remembering our past sin when he doesn't even remember it anymore? Why are we doing that and getting ripped off? It's just so the enemy. Girls, live free. Live free. He set us free. So let's live free. Don't run from God in the midst of your sin. Don't run from him when you're in those dark places and that dark clouds over your head. You've got to run to him. Run to him. Remember your God. Place your God in hope alone. And place your hope in him alone. Praise him with song and make mention of his deeds. Pray to him. He hears you. He loves you. Let's pray. Lord, really we're in awe of your goodness. We're in awe of your grace. We're in awe that your mercies fail not. That your compassions fail not. Lord, they're new every morning. Lord, thank you for the covenant that allows us to live in Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for the work that you've done. And Lord, we confess that we are frail, and we thank you that you understand us. But Lord, we confess when we, that just our lack of faith in those dark times, in those testings. Lord, we want so much to come through them, like doing awesome and having victory, and sometimes we do, and sometimes we don't. But Lord, may we be women who apply your word and walk in truth and not give in to our flesh. It truly is a choice. We're either going to choose to believe or we're not. We're going to choose to trust you or we're not. We're going to either choose to be made bitter or better. Lord, forgive us. Father, we want to turn and lift our eyes up to you from where our help comes from.
And Lord, for the women here tonight that are just laden down from oppression and depression and anger and bitterness and fears and confusion and doubt. Lord, I pray right now that even just sense that just lift off of them. That they would relinquish it. That they would take the first step to act and just say, Lord, I'm done. And allow you to meet them in it. To set them free. To live free in you. Lord, we put our hope in you. We have so much to be thankful for. We have life. We have breath. We have forgiveness. We have spiritual inheritance. We could go on and on. This is not our home. Help us to remember you. And Lord, thank you that even when we forget, you will never, ever forget us or forsake us. You remember us. And thank you that you choose to not remember our sin. So Lord, we just want to worship you. We want to adore you. We want to praise you. We want to respond to you.